Hey, wake up. Huh? Why? It's 4 a.m. and time for a decanter of banter with Harry Raval Lee. But I've got an exam tomorrow. But it's Southeast Queensland's most controversial 4 to 5 a.m. radio show. Get the f up. No, I've got my final med exam tomorrow. Come on, 4 a.m. is the best part of the day. No, ouch, what the Wake the hell up. <laughs> it's a decanter of banter. Good morning. Good morning to you. What's that sound? What's that sound? It's a new theme. It's a new radio intro. <laughs> Sorry if you were sentimentally attached to the old one. Um, anyway, Friends, you know, the hit cartoon series, The Simpsons, you know, they never changed their theme song. And where did that get them? So we better change it back. They're pretty quick smart. Anyway, uh, I, I am looking great today, guys. Seriously, you're going to have to take my word for it. But uh, I am wearing a truly great outfit today. Um, mind you, I could be wearing a potato sack for all you know. Uh, it's radio. I've definitely chosen the wrong uh, medium. Uh, look, uh, it's, it's a new theme. Look, get around it. We've, we've just had a, a very bitterly fought legal battle with Ellen DeGeneres. Apparently, uh, there's been some copyright issues with using her theme song and just talking over the top of it. So we've had to, um, yeah, we've had to take that down, guys. Um, and I'll be spending a lot of time uh, in courtroom. She's gonna, she's gonna bankrupt me. She's very, she's angry. She's gonna bankrupt me, guys. Um, she is uh, nothing like she seems on TV. Very, very angry, very rude, and surprisingly, really homophobic. Um, not a good person, it turns out. Um, but yes. Turns out we were actually taking some of her viewers, so she's tried to take us down, taking our theme song. Uh, it, it seems that radio maybe finally is making a comeback. Radio has finally killed the TV star back in some sort of uh, bloodthirsty, you know, Italian mafia vendetta-style comeback. Um, well, kids don't watch TV anymore. Kids aren't interested in TV. They want radio. Their kids are more interested in audio. They, they're not audio-visual anymore. They're... they're, they're it's slimming down, saving data. You know, uh, data's expensive. Anyway, uh, so, and everyone's known for years. Only communists enjoy watching television in Australia. You know, you've got Channel 10, ABC, SBS. All, the, all they tell you is, uh, all, they tell, all they're telling your kids to do is let in all the refugees, you know, give them all money in houses, lower the company tax, because are you crazy? What gives them the right to keep the money they earn? Um... That's Australian TV paraphrased for you. Uh, Channel 9 is probably the only politically objective station out there, but somehow the entire 2001 State of Origin team uh, got on board there and took over. So all you have every night is Shane Webke on the news going, you know, breaking news, <coughs> soccer is gay. Um, and then you got Wally Lewis and his famous, quite charming monotone. And he, he'll uh, break the news that... Um, a deadly car bomb has exploded in Kabul in the same tone and with the same silly smile as if he was describing the Chinese New Year celebrations over the weekend. I actually know a fellow who is doing a bit of work at Channel 9 and he reckons it's actually true. Underneath that desk, boxer shorts. Fantastic stuff. Um, well, the ratings are going well here at... Uh, Four triple Z here between four to five in the morning. The uh, a decanter of banter really is becoming... Not only the uh, most controversial 4 to 5 a.m. radio show, presumably, but also the most popular 4 to 5 a.m. radio show, presumably. Well, at least on Tuesdays. Oh, what is that sound? Don't tell me. Don't tell me. It's time for Word of the Week. Wow, that came out of nowhere. It's yes, time to find out the Word of the Week. Let's... Let's have a look here. Oh, this is a good one. Oh, you're going to like this one, guys. Um, uh, this week's word of the week is supercilious. Supercilious. Um, let's get this definition here. Uh, it's supercilious. It means coolly and patronizingly haughty. 
What does haughty mean? Sorry, guys. We'll have to, we'll have to get into that one next week. We get only one word per week, I'm afraid. Uh, I know. Uh, we'll find it. We'll get haughty. Uh, blatantly and disdainly proud. Having or showing an attitude of superiority and contempt for people or things perceived to be inferior. So, well, supercilious, cool and patronizingly haughty. That's a lot of that's a lot to take in. But anyway, we'll, we'll get it in a sentence. I think it'll be a lot easier if I put it in a sentence. Supercilious. Here we go. Um, sentence. Uh, where will the long lunch feast be held in the morrow? Why, in the garden of the house of Gaius Augustus Supercilius. Uh, yeah, it's word of the week. Um, always a bit of a fan favourite. Was radio is not just about having a good time it's about learning too um anyway we'll play a track for you uh it's by a little uh spanish all girl group called uh heinz and I- i'm a big fan of this song but it- at times it does sound like the ghost of all your ex-girlfriends coming back to nag you in the chorus there good morning thievery corporation welcome to a decanter of banter Southeast Queensland's most controversial 4 to 5 a.m. radio show. Good morning, Rob Gaza and Eric Hilton. Hey, it's, it's, you actually just have Rob today, so sorry to let you down, but... Uh, <laughs> oh, just Rob. Oh, right. Okay, this is a bit awkward. A lot, a lot of the questions were going to be directed uh, straight to Eric. I'll just write... Sorry, just write, no, Eric. Hit it. Did you ever, when you're waiting out the front of Eric's house... In the car, and you go, well, I'm just going to go solo. You know, you ever get that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Second question, Rob. How many? How many? What? How many people do you think have made out with each other while listening to Thievery Corporation? Tons. So many people um, tell me that, you know, I would never listen to it when I... Uh, make out because it, it would just remind me of work I know <laughs> it's not a bad job though is it I, I'm glad I'm, I'm, I'm glad lots of other people get enjoyment out of it do you think there are many um, young children running around America and the world named Thievery Corporation because their parents named them after the music they were listening to when the child was conceived <laughs> I have yet to meet one but I would be <laughs> uh, you know I would be pretty awestruck to meet one but not surprised right so a lot of your music does have a political tinge. Um, I, it's my understanding you, you, if you had to find yourself somewhere on the political spectrum, progressive left might be the uh, best description. Yeah, you know, I mean, definitely. We we try not to tell people like you know, be political in the sense of like Democrat or Republican, but more political in the sense of just being open-minded, socially conscious, and aware of what's happening. Within the world, I, I so get that's that. Kind right. of, you know, the, where we're coming from, but we don't try to really get into like partisan politics sort of thing. It's a re- it's a really good point because, yes, yeah, so I think music is a great tool for political awareness. But in terms of artists throwing their support behind, you know, directly behind, you know, the Democrats in America or Trump, we, it wasn't as much Trump. But I mean, I thought that, you know, right. Beyonce overtly supporting. Hillary Clinton, then you got over in UK bands like Primal Scream, which I am seeing tonight. But that he directly threw his weight behind Jeremy Corbyn. I said, when you're picking a major political party, you seem like a bit of a puppet. Yeah, well, I think it, you know it's hard to really throw your support for a person like that because you really never know kind of the skeletons in their closets and things like that. And for us, I think we don't want to tell you what to think; we just want to make you think. Oh. That's a good motto. You got that tattooed somewhere? Uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, on my, uh, on my shoulder. Yeah. Um, I would have said just, just above the, the, the bottom crack. But, so, <laughs> yeah, a tramp stamp. So I, I have here, yeah. it's written here that when you recorded the album Radio Retaliation, you said this is a political uh, statement. It was, it was at a very pertinent time around when the, the Iraq war was on. Yeah, you know, I mean, being from Washington, D.C., you know, you see these guys dressed up in uh, suit and ties and sending people's kids to 
war, you know, and people don't really question, like, the legitimacy of, of what's actually happening. And, you know, it's, um, I don't know, it's, 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 it's appalling, to be honest. Um, you know, and we're from Washington, D.C., so we see that all the time. Right. And, um, you know, I mean, after, uh, you know, 9-11, you know, in terms of, you know, that was just an excuse to go into a lot of places and create a war. And Osama bin Laden and uh, people thought that uh, Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction, and that was you know the reason for for all that. And, and you know, people didn't even really look into it. Yes. So, in, in that sense, it was a political statement. Would it bug you that like a, a piece of art you'd made and it was a political statement? Would you? Would it bug you if? You found out that there were teenagers out there just smoking weed and listening to it and just chilling out. Not at all. You know, I, I think it's like a you know kind of like an onion in the sense that there's so many different layers. You can go as deep as you want, you know, and there's something that's another layer to peel, and you can kind of dig deep if you want to, or if you want to just sit around and enjoy the groove. Yeah, you Look, know, you can do that too. There's something to be said for when you make music and you publish it. You release it out into the wild. I mean, uh, there are punters out there, like, say, Johnny Marr, he springs to mind, Jimmy Barnes, he's an Australian musician, who've gone, oh, uh, they found out that, you know, political people like their music, and they say, no, you're not allowed to like my music. Is that petulant, or is that fair? Yeah, that's sort of a weird thing, because, you know, it's kind of, you give birth to music, in a sense, and then the, the music has its own experience with different people, and I don't think you can really control that. I mean, if... You know, there was a politician I hated that was using, like, uh, our music as a, a theme song or something. I, I would have an issue with that. But the, in terms of the commercial exploitation, but in terms of whoever personally enjoying the music, that's, you know, that's their experience with the music. I like that. So there are many left-wing musical artists out there. Do you, th do you think there's a reason why there's no right-wing pop musicians or alternative musicians? Like, why are there no neo-Nazi musicians if there's progressive <laughs> left musicians? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, maybe maybe that's called country music. I don't know. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe there are pop musicians who are secretly neo-Nazi, like maybe James Blunt or Ashanti. Maybe, you never know. There probably are some closet neo-Nazi Republican artists out there somewhere. So, if you, say, you were at the club, you were DJing, and then this attractive lady wandered over, you, you know, you've had a few, uh, you've had a few pernos on the rocks, you've had a bit of campari, things have been getting a bit hazy, you go home with the lady, back to her flat, um, you don't have a prophylactic, and you engage in intercourse, you wake up in the morning, the lady turns to you, she says, of all my 127 lovers, you were the best. Is that a similar feeling to say, getting played in a hit movie starring Zach Braff? Like, it's good, but it's bad. Um, <laughs> you know, that, uh, you, you're talking about Garden State. Um, you know, which, which actually was very interesting because they sent that over, the, the license request, and it was just like, we're working on the small independent movie, and, you know, we're, they asked for permission, and we're like, sure. And we had no idea that that film was going to blow up to be what it was but you know I, I think that the feeling of uh, doing that movie is probably a lot better than the, the 127th uh, lover or whatever okay I'll, <laughs> I'll write that one down better than the 127th yeah. yeah it certainly put Lebanese Blonde on the map I, <laughs> I, I, I remember playing Lebanese Blonde at some point it was uh, well, a couple of years ago now, obviously I've played it again since those couple of years ago. You'll, you'll be happy to know. But, uh, uh -huh. uh, my friend said, oh, not uh -huh. Lebanese Blonde again, as if everyone's wandering around town, you know, blasting Lebanese Blonde out of their iPhone speakers on the train. Yeah, you know, well, I mean, that movie definitely did make that song a lot more popular than it was. Um, you know, but it's like, with us, I always consider ourselves kind of a, more of a no-hit wonder than one-hit wonder because, you know, we've never really had any sort of those big hits or songs that everybody's playing out of their radio or their car stereos. Um, you don't but, need a hit. You, you know. need a hit. I've got a hit radio station, and I've got to tell you, it's very overrated. People stop you in the street and stuff. Oh, yeah? I'm just trying to grocery <laughs> shop here. I'm trying to make nachos, guys. So... <laughs> 
The year is 2010, Rob Garza. Dubstep has taken the world by storm. Do you remember where you were and how did you survive? Um, I think I was at a festival somewhere in South America and I realized it. And, uh, you know, at first it was like super interesting because I think, you know, the novelty of the first time hearing all those sounds and a huge loud sound system or whatever kind of like, whoa, this is, you know, this is interesting, this is cool, um, you know, but music sort of has, it has to stand the, the test of time, and um, it seems to me that, I mean, I, I don't know this for a fact, but it does it definitely doesn't seem as popular as it was before, so I don't know if it, if it was more of just a fad or if it's evolved into something else or, or whatever. Yeah, I think it did a bit of a James Dean, was here for a good time, not a long time. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm I'm reading here, and um, that your your musical styles they range from dub, acid, jazz, reggae, Indian classical, Middle Eastern, hip hop, electronica, bossa nova, but none of them baby metal. Why? No baby metal. Yeah, why no baby metal? Uh, we're 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 ready to dive into something new, so I think baby metal might be the next frontier. You know, maybe ba baby metal mixed with dubstep <laughs> is kind of where the future is heading. <laughs> You're a visionary. The true visionary. Um, do, do you feel like when, when, when someone comes up and they say, you know, uh, you should listen to Thievery Corporation, and then the other person says, oh, what are they like? And then the other person says, I don't know, it's like chill out. Do you find that chill out is a very watered down term? Yeah, because um, I think it, you know, it doesn't really take everything into context. You know, the first is that when we play shows, I think a lot of people come to the show and expect to hear something more chill out sort of Buddha bar esque or something and it, the show actually is very energetic and has a great intensity and you know there's lots of different singers from different cultures different styles different genres and you know I think that it uh, you know pound for pound delivers just such an energetic show as you know some of the biggest you know uh, just sort of rock concerts or things like that so I think it is in a way. Yes. But what if you had to describe your music in five characters or less? Um, wow. Yeah, see, I'm not good at... I'm, I'm better at making music than describing music. <laughs> it's all right, mate. But you will be making music on the 14th of March down at the Tivoli in Brisbane. It's a beautiful venue, um, Rob. I've got to tell you, I think it's... For me, the the premier music venue of uh, Brisbane. So congratulations. Awesome, yeah. And, uh, we were there a couple of years ago. I can't remember if it was a Tivoli or not, but yeah, we, we, we had a blast in Brisbane. Yeah, there aren't many music venues in Brisbane, so it was either one or the, the other one. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, so that's on the 14th of March. Tickets are still on sale, or is this one, this puppy sold out? Well, they don't, they don't uh, tell you this sort of thing. I'm not sure. Um, I, I'd have to ask uh, the people who who know all that stuff. So um, I, I think that there's still tickets. Okay. Well, thanks for spending a bit of time with me this morning, Rob. It's good to hear from you. Yeah, thanks for having me. No, pass, on, pass on my regards to uh, Eric, would you? Will do. I'll let him know. You bloody ripper, Rhonda. See you on the 14th. Take care. Yes, that's the exclusive interview there with Rob Garza and Eric Hilton of Thievery Corporation. They're playing that gig down at the TIV. Also coming up a bit later on, obviously Vance Joy's massive new album has dropped. We'll be playing that album in full. Just a little bit later on, you'll hear all the new Vance Joy songs. So Now, when it comes to great stalker songs... Uh, and you know, they stalkers are people too, and they need to they need to listen to music as well. And there are some really great stalker songs out there. Uh, Every breath you take by the police springs to mind. Uh, I think uh, coming in with the silver medal, we might have uh, the more you ignore me, the closer I get by Morrissey. But little did you know that one of the uh, great stalker songs of all time was actually a Mariah Carey song. Yes, the snake beneath the flower. Mariah Carey is indeed a stalker, um, a relentless stalker. Um, now, you might know the song, Always Be My Baby. There, There is a bit of a refrain that... Doo -doo 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 -doo. Um, it's a bit of an innocuous little do-do. We'll just play it for you now, if, if we can. Doo -doo -doo. 
pretty innocuous, right? Harmless. Um, I was actually, uh, I was driving uh, from Sydney to Cowra on the weekend. I took the missus down to a friend's farm for his 25th birthday. Yes, people still celebrate 25th birthdays. Um, in fact, I reckon there's more reason to celebrate a 25th than a 21st. Really, 21st doesn't have that much significance in Australia, more of an American thing. Um, we are a sovereign country. We should celebrate the 25th more. But the whole point is here, uh, Always Be My Baby is the hit by Mariah Carey, somewhere from the 90s. Um, and yeah, so do-do-do-do, very harmless, almost feel good. But things take a bit of a sinister turn by the time of the first chorus. Um, the lyrics, if you know the song, uh, you'll always be a part of me. I'm part of you. I'm part of you indefinitely. Boy, don't you know you can't escape me. Oh, darling, because you'll always be my baby and we'll linger on. Time cannot erase a feeling this strong. No way, you're never going to shake me. Oh, darling, because you'll always be my baby. So, we'll play that for you. Because I know when my heart beats, our love will never die. No, Sounds sweet. No. no. This is vindictive. Mariah Carey is dangerous. Dangerous felon. Forget Coney. We don't need to stop Coney. We need to stop Mariah Carey. She is a stalker. And all of a sudden, those do-do-do-do's start to feel a little bit more sinister. You know, you're, you're, you're with your new partner. Now, you've broken up with Mariah. You've... um. You're trying to move on with your life. Uh, she keeps sending you texts and calls and calling you at work and sending you things at your work. And you go, how can I escape Mariah? And then you realize that, um, boy, you know you can't escape me, as she says. And then you're, you're there enjoying a nice uh, candlelit dinner at your girlfriend's house. And you just hear, you know, on the street corner, do-do-do-do, do-do-do-do-do-do. Yes, because Mariah Carey is following you. She walks. She stalks. She neither forgives nor forgets. Mariah Carey is a bonable. Yes, so we'll just play that song for you now. Always be my baby, Mariah Carey. What a track. No. No, uh, we won't be doing that. As I said, Vance Joy, the new album has dropped. We're going to be playing that in its entirety. Um, the time for that is not now. Uh, a little bit later on, we'll be playing that Vance Joy album in its entirety for you. So, as I said before, we were heading west from Sydney out to Cowra, and there are a number of sites along the way. Um, as uh, the first one that we came across, you know, they got the three sisters out in the Blue Mountains, uh, and there's a, a lookout called Evans Lookout, and it's about four kilometres off the main road, but you get this incredible panorama of the Blue Mountains. It's like the Grand Canyon, but there's trees all in the valley, so arguably better than the Grand Canyon, and it's just four k's from Katoomba. So, um, if you think about going on that American holiday, cancel that. Book a greyhound down to Katoomba. Bloody ripper views down there. And uh, so I'm there and I start to think to myself, well, look, I've had quite a bit of coconut water and it's about it's about time I need to urinate. And um, the facilities down at Evans Lookout were not that great. In fact, they were non-existent. Basically, there was no bathroom. And so I've gone, look, I'm just going to go um, just do a wee over here behind this little rock thing um this monument thing behind it and there i was pants around my ankles in the middle of evan's lookout and this fella comes running up the hill without a shirt on and he looks at me in the eye and he says hello and um i think to myself oh no i've gone and done it i've gone and done it i've you know they're those spots you know like back back in the 80s there used to be the gay bench you go sit there on the gay bench if you were gay, and then the other another gay person would come along and be like, are you sitting on the gay bench? Let's go. Um, in fact, back in those times when people used to 
throw rocks at gay people. It was, it was a, such a weird thing. Um, uh, but I heard that down at Dutton Park in the public bathrooms there it was just a constant um, line of people going in and out because that, that's where that's what you had to do. It was you know these people were discriminated against. They needed to find a safe place to do what they um, what they were put on this earth to do. We we are put on this earth to uh, in, uh, have sex for pleasure. So. Uh, down in Dutton Park, I believe, if you're a Dutton Park local, maybe go down to Dutton Park, you'll find some historic inscriptions upon those public bathrooms, I promise you. Um, and so, basically, I was standing there um, in, in uh, Evans Lookout wondering, oh, maybe uh, this is what people do. If you go down to Evans Lookout on a Friday afternoon, get your willy out near the stone monument, then um, you'll get an invite to the local gimp beat up and I was a bit concerned this fellow without his shirt on sweaty uh, greeting me but alas he said uh, my friend down there really needs water he really needs water and I said oh sorry I drank all my coconut water and then he said oh and then he kept running up the hill and away he said alright honey time to go and we got back in the car and we headed towards Bathurst and um, if you know anything about Bathurst you'll know that, that the journey did not end there I assure you then we headed further west to uh, towards a place uh, called Manjarama. Um, before then, we saw a sign for Carcor, and I said, "Babe, babes, baby, please Google what is a Carcor." Um, and she googles it and says, "I don't know what a Carcor is. Carcor isn't a thing." And then we see another sign. It says Carcor, the town that time forgot. And I say that has won me over. I'm pulling over. I can't drive past a sign like that. At the town that time forgot. So we turn right, and there is this beautiful uh, 1800s-style town. It's, it looks exactly like an English uh, countryside village. We, we pull over. There's a, there's a couple of places that are open, one of them serving coffee. And we go and we say, wow, um, are you a local? And she says, yes. And I, I said, well, I thought this was the town that time forgot. And she says, man, I hate that blooming sign it i live here i think it's a great place and everyone drives past thinking that carcor is some dead abandoned town the town that time forgot imagine trying to imagine being up in the club here in the valley right you're at the met you met the girl of your dreams you say come back to mine she says where is it and you say the town that time forgot you're not going to get that girl from the met to the town that time forgot and I, and I said, well, look, as much as you hate, uh, I said to this coffee lady, I said, look, as much as you hate that slogan, I would not be here if, the, if, that, wasn't, if that slogan was not there, and you would be $4 poorer. And she said, $4? No, the coffee's only $3. And I said, wow, Carcor, the town that inflation forgot. Bloody ripper. Anyway, we'll play another hit here. Uh, as I said... Uh, Vance Joy's new album has dropped. We're going to play that in its entirety. Every song, every track from the new album. Um, we're going to do that a little bit later. Now, look, uh, Valentine's Day was last Wednesday. You might recall last Tuesday we had a fantastic uh, Valentine's Day special. I brought uh, my ball and chain in. Um, no, I think I'll find a more respectful term for that. She is, of course, my uh, lady friend, uh, Monique, and we had a, a very, very lovely Wednesday night. Of course, every day is Valentine's Day for my girl. Um, unfortunately, flowers are, are more expensive than I thought they were. I've um, She's my first girlfriend, so I've never bought flowers before. Um, obviously, no one close to me has ever died either, but um, uh, they're more expensive than I thought they were. Tell you what, I looked into it. Um, I think flowers have become more of a corporate thing, more of a, you know, just something else to expend on a bottomless wedding budget. But um, uh, I said, you know what? Rather than blowing all this money on flowers that you know girls don't even like anyway, has anyone ever even asked girls? So we just assume that they liked flowers. You know, every girl's different, right? Um, you can't buy monster trucks for every boy. Am I right? Stop me if I'm wrong. We can't. I'll text in. Text in. Stop if I'm wrong. Um, not gonna give you the number. Hehe. <laughs> um. But uh, I, I look. This this is Harry Leaf here, right? I know I know this girl loves figs, right? So I, rather than spending one hundred and sixty-five dollars on a bunch of roses, I said, why not just drop a fiver on a box of figs at the market? And um, and she found that very thoughtful, or at least did a really great job of pretending that she thought it was a really thoughtful thing. Um, 
Because think about this. This is logic, right? What if you get just as much credit for like a picnic and a five dollar box of figs as as you do if you get like a fifteen thousand dollar ring, right? I mean, just because you get your girl a fifteen thousand dollar ring doesn't mean she can't complain or fight with you, you know, for a longer time period. I mean, literally the next day you might just leave your shoes and socks in the lounge and then she might get angry at you and you have a fight and then well, she might even leave you the next day. I mean, like, I mean, you can't get a girl a $15,000 ring and then go, you know, sleeping around and go, well, she can't leave me, I got her that ring, you know. So, you know, it doesn't buy you any more security than a $5 box of figs. So, just something to think about. I'm not saying get your girl a box of figs and when you engage with her, you're going to get engaged, you know, maybe get the ring then but it's it's valentine's day and every day is valentine's day as i said when you're harry lee's girl um but uh we we uh went, went out and about we um went up to highgate hill i thought i had this great idea let's go to highgate hill you can see the city um and we'll we'll check it out but we get there uh just as the the sun's going down and it's, it's, it's a bit short of real estate there's all these groups of two littered around the place and um, it's a bit short of space. And then so we're a bit towards the bottom where you can't really see the city. We're at the bottom. And then the mosquitoes started coming. And then we said, look, we'll just go to West End. And we went to this lovely um, uh, Mexican uh, restaurant. Um, and there was a fellow there who owned the place. And I said, oh, you're from Mexico. And he said, no, El Salvador. And I said, well, I'm sure you've um, been to Mexico. Uh, no. Uh, look, it doesn't matter. Uh, great Mexican food. Um but here's the trouble, right? The last few dates I've gone on with uh, with my with my bird, uh, she's uh, well, I've paid. Look, not because that's the rule, but it just it just so happened that that, that was the way things had gone uh, recently. I'd I've been paying. Like we, we we split the bills, but I've just been paying recently. So I said this would be a good time, even though it's Valentine's Day. This would be a good time for maybe um, you to pay the bill. And so this guy's this guy from El Salvador. You know, we're only one of two tables in the restaurant, so he's paying us a lot of attention. He's coming out every thirty seconds, going enjoying it, and he said, and then we're going yes, and then you know, fifteen seconds later, how are you going? We're going, oh, we're still enjoying it, <laughs> and then you know, just about to take one more mouthful. How are you going? Ah! <laughs> oh, jeez, yes, good, good, good. We're still good. Um, and uh, he brings out the, you know, the FPOS machine and 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 Monique goes, no, 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 Harry, I got this. And I say, oh, thank you. And this man looks at me like I've just stabbed his cousin. And he goes, in El Salvador, this is not okay. This is not okay. Um, and I go, look, man, it's all right. Like, I've paid lately. Just chill out. Dude, he was frothing at the mouth. His eyes had gone all red. Like the like the devil's penis, and and I said, sir, just chill out, all right. I've paid lately. She's, this girl is bankrupting me. She's got expensive taste. She can pay for one meal, and then and um and he goes, I just wanted to know, this is not okay in El Salvador, and and I didn't. I, I just sort of I, I took this, and but I I'd like to formally re- retort this man live on community radio because this is not El Salvador. Guys, get around me. This is not El Salvador. You know, women have jobs in Australia, all right? Women have rights here, all right? Women can earn their own money. This this uh, tradition of women not paying for anything, men taking them out, why can't girls take us out? In fact, very much they do. Um, Monique comes home. She has good ideas. She takes me out from time to time. There's as much taking out as there is being taken out in our household. Um, so women... women uh, they can be whatever they want to be, mate. You know, this tradition of uh, uh, men paying for everything is a hangover from a time when men were the only ones who could work and make something of their lives. You know, um, you know, women used to go, "Oh, I want to marry a rich man," because quite literally, if you didn't marry a rich man, you were going to be poor forever because you couldn't make your own destiny. And um, and so, uh, I, I think about this, right? Um, women, but a lot of women, right? especially women who are, say, bodybuilders, they're stronger than most men. Like, uh, I mean, a woman bodybuilder would be stronger than me, right? And so if I was carrying my groceries up the street, you know, a woman bodybuilder would come up and go, hello, sir, do you need help with those groceries? You know, it's not about gender. It's all about men having to offer women to help carry their suitcase or their shopping. It's like the stronger person, when they see maybe a weak person carrying a lot of groceries, maybe they can offer a helping hand. And so none of this stuff is should be... Uh, 
you know, constrained to genders, but just on, on the balance of uh, merits, who should pay for this meal? I don't know. I mean, Monique is, Monique is a teacher. I dare say she earns a fair considerable amount more than me at the moment. So uh, by all accounts, maybe she could be paying for, I don't know, I might try to negotiate every meal. Um, but the other thing about Valentine's Day is uh, it's about love. Love, 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 love. As uh, Ben Stiller says in the very underrated comedy, The Heartbreak Kid. Um, love, 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 right? Um, if if you're a good-looking person, right? And Godspeed to you if you are. Godspeed. Um, uh, and someone falls in love with you for your looks. That's not something you should feel good about, right? Because if your best attribute equals good luck, equals your good looks, then that equals uh-oh. Because there are thousands of other punters out there who are also good-looking. So on what basis should they not be able to steal your girl? They have all your best attributes. They're good-looking, right? But um, if you have, say, a quirky talent, like you play the oboe or something, then no one can steal your girl because your girl's like, yes, you might be good-looking, but you don't play the oboe. My guy, he plays the oboe, right? Life is all about making sure no one steals your girl. In fact, here's a great story, guys. Here is a story from the top drawer. It's like you're waking up in the morning, you're getting out of bed, you're going, what story am I going to put on today? You're opening up the top drawer and you're taking this story out. I've got a good mate named Noel, right? And Noel now has a girlfriend. For many years, he was single Noel. He has now taken Noel. And um, he was at the, the Flying Cock the other night and there was this guy getting around who was trying to dance with his girl and he was like, what's that guy doing? Whatever, like, is this a harm? Like, he's probably like, I've probably done that before. Try to dance with the girl. He's got a boyfriend. But this guy kept coming back and he was like, what the hell is going on here? What on God's green earth is this man bloody well doing? And um, he was sort of loitering around and eventually one of um, Noel's girlfriend's friends comes up to Noel and says, Noel, man, we got to tell you that this guy keeps hanging around. It's it's her ex boyfriend. No, it's her ex boy. It's her ex boyfriend, and and he's like, all right, it's it's okay. And then he was sort of hanging around a bit more, and they said, no, it's it's her ex boyfriend, and he said, all right, I'll talk to him. Where is he? And just as he wheels around on his heels, he quite literally sees this, and he swears by it. That this man, this ex-boyfriend, at the very moment Noel turns round, is walking past, he drops his beer, it falls on the ground, and he slips over on the spilt beer and uh, falls over. And everyone around erupts into laughter. And Noel said to himself, well, I don't think he's quite a threat anymore. And, and left him alone, which is very lucky for that ex-boyfriend because... Noel does kill people. Um, now, look, so, I mean, I'm not going to try and delegitimize good looks as, you know, the the cause of love. At the end of the day, this, this is how I feel about things, right? What makes falling in love for looks alone illegitimate? People say, oh, that's superficial, you know? Uh, she's shallow. You know? He's shallow. He only likes her because she's good looking. What That, that it all implies that falling in love for looks is somehow illegitimate but saying oh i love him for his wit or i love him for his courage is somehow more legitimate but there's still that's still just one attribute right and um if you're pleased if seeing someone's face every day pleases you right um and or if someone's wit you know how they talk and make a you know very cunning and incisive jokes about the war on terror and if that, if that pleases you, at the end of the day, you're pleased all the same. No matter what the cause is, you're pleased. So what makes one cause illegitimate? And um, so pe- people say, oh, yeah, but what if you're in a tragic smelting accident and you lose your face? Are they still going to love you? Well, all I have to say to you is, what if, you know, if they're so witty, right, and you love them for their wit, what if they, you know, play too much rugby union, get concussed for life and they don't they're not witty anymore they just walk around you know and they read the news for channel nine you know um what if that happens you know the cause of the the love is still gone it can still go very easily right 
There's no greater security on on a wit than there is on a face. You know, you get old. When you get old, you know, man, when you're in your 80s and you're pooing your pants and you're wearing your pants, you don't discriminate what you do in your pants. And, you know, Alzheimer's kicks in. There's no wit anymore there. There's no wit anymore there. So you're trying to say uh, if looks fade, well, so does wit, mate. Wit's gone as well. You, you, you lose your wits. So I always find uh, that people somehow don't look quite as fondly upon others who fall in love because of looks because I think there's somehow a more legitimate way uh, to fall in love. People tell you how you should love and I tell you who makes the rules of love. Who makes the rules of love? Um, you know? Look, if someone loves someone because they're funny, you say, I love him, he's funny, and everyone goes, oh, that's really cute. That's No, we'll allow that. That's okay. You can love someone for that, right? Well, when that funny person is in a bad mood, not cracking jokes, does that mean you stop loving them when they're in a bad mood, you know? At least when someone's good-looking, they're good-looking all the time. So um, maybe to love someone for their looks is not even as legitimate but more legitimate. And then I tell you, look, people say, oh, but looks, you're just born with it. You don't do anything. You just get it. I tell you, people are born with wit. People are born smart, you know? People are born with skills. People are born athletic, you know, big and strong, you know? So to say you need to earn or do something to uh, rightfully have that trait that makes people fall in love with you is also a delegitimate thing, um, you know, because in fact, some people spend a lot of money and effort getting good looks, you know, they spend th- tens of thousands of dollars on, you know, uh, uh, getting a, a bigger breast size or, you know, even even blokes get, you know, uh, ins- ins- inserted things into their buttocks to make their buttocks nice and tight and um, a lot of time and effort and money and good judgment sometimes to improve their looks. So, um, you can hardly say it's something they just uh, yeah, don't really earn, so to speak. Uh, they didn't plan. Uh, yeah. Maybe time for a new one. Um, Cub Sport from the latest album. Oh, what, what a voice. Sounds like he's singing in a bathroom or an empty cathedral. I mean, you turn up the, turn up the reverb on anything and it sounds good. And if I farted in an empty cathedral, it'd sound nice and soothing. Anyway, the uh, song's playing. Better do the old, yeah, four triple Z, Canada Panther. We'll talk after. Now, we've actually got uh, a fifth roommate at the moment. He's from Colombia. He's, it's, it's, a, it's a very good wildcard entry there into the house. Um, he's a Spanish-speaking dude. He's a very nice guy. Um, he brought some Colombian sweets home the other day, gave me a Colombian sweet. Um, was it delicious? Not really. Um, but... The thought that counts, and it was certainly made my Valentine's Day. So thanks, John. Um, but uh, we, we had we had this extra room in our house, and a couple of our friends were like, "Hey, we're actually looking for a place. Um, uh, can we like we we need a we need a place? Our, we're homeless at the moment." And we we said, "Are you from an exotic country?" And they said, "No." And I said, "Well, we're going to get this Colombian guy um, named John." And he works for an IT company, and he's going to get us free internet. We love Al John. And um, look, uh, but uh, John and I, we live in the only two rooms in the house that don't have an ensuite. We share a bathroom downstairs, and he has this habit, a rather dirty habit, of how do I put this? <clears throat> Pooing on the floor. No, no, no. No, no, no. I'm kidding. No. We have a problem. Our toilet is leaking. The toilet that we share has sprung a leak and it's just leaking. Uh, hopefully, not what we put into it, but um, it's leaking all over the floor. So I... So I... Uh, we're, we're in the loser rooms of the house. we we got to share this little toilet downstairs. And the toilet is nowhere near as nice as the toilets that uh, everyone else gets in their ensuite. So we're in the loser rooms. We're embracing it. And um, and so I say, look, John, uh, we got a leak in our loo. 
And he said, what the, you, what do you say? There's a, a leak? Uh, how you mean in the loo? And I say, no, John, we got a leak in our loo. And he said, oh, yeah, I don't, uh, I no, not know what uh, uh, the loo is. I don't know what the loo is. And I say, mate, John, we got a leaky loo. The low's gone all leaky. Need to fix it. And he said, I I don't I know, understand. And I say, John, clean out your ears. Our Dunny has gone funny. And he said, I, I not know what uh, the Dunny. I do not know what the Dunny. And <laughs> said, John. It's the John John. We got a problem with the John John. And he's going, why? Not knows. I am John. Uh, you have problem with me? Uh, now you've probably uh, noticed your colleagues leaving work about an hour early lately. You've probably noticed your girlfriends getting home at 5 a.m. And you all know where they've been. That's right. They've been watching the Winter Olympics. Um. Uh. It's just like the Summer Olympics, but even snowier. And um, I'll tell you what, what is great about the the Summer Olympics is that, you know, it's only two more years until the Winter Olympics. Because moreover than, um, you know, uh, the Summer Olympics where it's like, okay, they're running, they're jumping, they're swimming. I get that. I, I, can, I see that every day. Um, the the Winter Olympics is a, is a great time to learn about different esoteric sports that you didn't know actually existed and you don't know much about and um you know so you, you see the curling uh, the canadians man they love the their curling um in fact i'd say in, in canada the, the curlers are probably very much akin to say the footballers here so the curling team they're showing up to your party and you're going oh man hey guys the curlers are here oh and they're talking to your girlfriend and you know, you go, how can I even compete? They're so lean and they have such dexterity when they curl those things in the ice. Um, so they're, they're probably like the jocks over there. Um, well, anyway, the, of the, you know, the 15 countries that actually have snow that can compete in the Winter Olympics, you know, they put out the curling teams and I'll tell you what, <clears throat> champions. Um, but the, the, the problem is, yes, it's great when you have commentators who really know what they're talking about and they can explain to the people watching on at home just what's going on in the sport but the problem is um channel seven god bless their cotton socks but they've put together a bit of a motley crew of commentators from time to time they, they, they won't have an australian there and there'll be an american guy who really knows what he's talking about and you'll you'll learn a great deal about winter sports mm. and the problem is i mean I mean, Australia isn't Peru. This isn't Peru, guys. We're not just a big bunch of goat herders around here. We can find someone who can do a good job. But somehow, Channel 7 don't want to do that. They get... Look, tennis players, AFL players, they often retire. They start commentating. Good. I can get into that. They do a lot of media uh, work, you know. They're, they're very well drilled and they can actually speak. Um, snowboarders, skaters, surfers... They're of a different ilk, all right? What I mean is, yeah, when you're hearing a, a snowboarder commentate snowboarding, all you're hearing is, you know, wow, oh, the hang time, oh, cowabunga. And um, the poor blind people at home have no idea what's going on. And moreover, they probably think they're watching, you know, that, that series of The Bachelor when you had that, that fellow Richie who... All he would say was, wow, <laughs> really? <laughs> awesome. Um, that fella, that ill-fated Bachelor series. Um, I remember passing by like a Woman's Day magazine at the grocery store. And by passing by, I mean, I picked up a Woman's Day and I read it for about a couple of hours until the store manager kicked me out for reading the entire magazine for free. And I read that uh, a couple of girls have been kicked out of the house or just left. Um they said he had B.O. They said he had body odor, whether that's true or not. And whether that even matters. So at the end of the day, 
people always were like body odor. Only some at some point in the twentieth century they said, "Hey, let's put a smell over the top." I mean, people have always had body odor. We got by, we populated the earth while well, we smelt like bollocks, you know. So, what's the issue here, guys? Guy's got bo, he can reproduce. Who cares? Yeah, but the thing was, a lot of the girls in this bachelor mansion, they actually actually ended up um, falling for Osha, the host. And he was like, guys, no, I'm the host. Okay, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> um, but uh, you just know, when, when you've got a whole bunch of women that are locked in a mansion, right, they're contractually obliged to not leave the mansion unless they're allowed to, and they still don't want to... They still don't really like you. They don't want to get with you. That is quite literally, that's them telling you, not even if you were the last man on earth would I get with you. Because that's quite literally what's happened. And But it's not his fault. It's not Richie's fault, guys. All right? I don't want to dig up old bones here. This is an old series of The Bachelor. People have moved on. I haven't. I dwell on this every day. And I'm going to put this one to bed. All right? It's not his fault. Channel 10 approach him. They say, Richie, we like you. We want you to be The Bachelor on The Bachelor, right? Um, he would fail the gay test if he said no there. You know, you don't want to fail the gay test where everyone would be laughing. He'd be like, oh, ha-ha, you're gay. You can't, um, you can't, oh, wait. No, you can do everything now. Um, in fact, more than that, you, do, you can do everything now and you even have better clubs, you know? Gay clubs, man, they go off. But look, so you could actually say maybe life is actually marginally better now when you're gay. Because you get all the perks of being a person who can marry and you can have kids with all these new technologies and stuff like that. But life is good and you have better clubs. So it's actually better marginally than being a straight person. Except the one thing, it's a bit of a trade-off because, I mean, you can't kiss your partner um, in public in Iran, but um, better clubs. So I think of the trade-off. But uh, anyway, so it's not Richie's fault, you know. Uh, anyway, so yeah, the, the, that's right. The Winter Olympics is what I'm talking about here, guys. Um, the 15 countries that actually have snow, they're all competing fiercely against each other. And there's a few things that one can notice about um, the the Winter Olympics. And there's especially like the, the figure skating, it's all very subjective. I don't know how they come up with these scores. And because I know nothing about it, I'm going to say that it's fraudulent. I'm going to say that it's wrong and it's rigged because I don't know anything about it. But um, it's, it's uh, to, to dance and even if there is some technical criteria, it's just like, I don't know, people marking your exams in uni, you know, give or take. Uh, a credit could still be a high distinction. A high distinction could have been a pass. You just never know. Um, and so, but the, the, the great thing about it is they do that awkward close-up as they reveal the score. So the two people dance and then on their eyes and they sit down there with their coaches and the camera just fixes on them as they look up at the big screen to hear their score. And when you see a couple of Russians or, you know, get hear their score and they come back and you're in ninth and they're, they've been training for, you know, eight years for this and uh, they're, they're, just, they're trying to hide their immense disappointment and anger while trying to maintain their smiles and wave to the people at home. And it's it's seriously great television. It's got it all. And um but then there was there was another guy who was skiing and he was uh one of those ones where you had to go down the big slope and there's like maybe a series of jumps, I think three. Then you have to go down the rail. And he was this American guy who was pretty um obviously pretty talented because he got that far but he kept crashing and the commentators were going what's what's wrong with this guy today like why does he keep crashing like he's practiced for so long he's done this over and over again and then one commentator said actually britney spears has been tweeting this guy all day wishing him good luck like multiple times and obviously that's gotten to his head a little bit he's gone oh no well if i do really well and win the gold medal she's gonna try and come and get with me um and no one wants that. Uh, but I was actually at uh, the Centenary Pool down in Spring Hill the other day. And they got that big, massive uh, diving board. But you can only go up to the... Se- it's got about four levels. But you can, you can only ever go up to the second one, even if you pay the extra $3, I think, to use the diving pool. And I just saw the sign. It said, um, um, no using you know the big diving board without permission. And I say, well, you know, you, so you, you get permission probably if you're a... You know, experienced you know diver if you're 
you know, and actually, if you actually do it for a sport. Then it's like, well, how do we find out who the next champion diver is going to be? How are we going to find the next Matthew Mitchum if people can't give it a whirl? If you know the jump off the big diving board, if you're, uh, you know, if you're an, if you're an actual diver, who are we going to find out who the actual diver is going to be when you dive for the first time? You know, um, so I'm assuming all of this applies, like you know, the snowboarding, you know, the skiing. You know, you can't you can't do this unless you're qualified. I and mean, how do I know that I want to be qualified? So Australia, Australia's not going to win gold medals unless we can let people just do whatever they want, whenever they want, and they can find out what sport they like, rather than saying, "Oh, that's a bit tall." Um, you know, one in every three million people might actually fall off those stairs all the way down, hit a pregnant lady, and both of them will explode and die. And and so then we go, "Oh, hey, hey, hang on, we'll just let no one use the top diving board, and we'll avoid that situation." altogether now that is uh, a smart move also i noticed that um when, when it comes to a, a australia and winter olympics obviously we're not uh the red hot favorites in many events um but i still think we overcompensate with the compliments a little bit when they i guess underperform um at the end of the day this is someone's job their job is to snowboard. Just let that sink in, guys. Those guys, if you're in the back of a garbage truck at the moment, listening on your on your headphones, these people, their job is to like snowboard, grind on rails, I know, get girls every night. Because they're like all things, it's supply and demand. If you're getting an income, it's because you're providing a service that people need, right? There are people out there that want to watch talented snowboarders, and they will pay money, let's say on pay TV or pay-per-view, whatever, what have you, or they buy a ticket to the actual event, say the X Games, and they will watch uh, snowboarding. They'll pay it. They'll pay for it. So all of a sudden, you start getting a cut of that money that everyone's willing to pay. And when that money is a high amount, you, you, it's, a, it's your job. It's your full-time job. And um, it's very, I was thinking about this on Friday. I went with the missus to see an acrobatic show like a you know I'm not going to say circus it was it was better than what you'd think a circus is there were no lions you know there were no russian guys in tight white suits prancing around and picking on lions there was it was all acrobatics you know people like four people staying on each other's shoulders and then the top one does a flip off it's like it's like wow you know but for 80 minutes like your heart was in your mouth oh so it was actually it was tiring to watch because they're just doing flips and this flips and more flips and so i've had enough of the flips guys um but anyway, look, the whole thing, the whole point here is uh, they were putting on a show that not many other people can put on, right? So everyone in Brisbane is going, I want to see acrobatics. Um, there aren't many shows like this that come around. So I was in there in a packed theatre. What do you have to do as, as a musical band, right? There are so many bands out there. There's, an, there's a complete oversupply. You'd say um, it is a really... It's a saturated market, you'd say, for bands. There are, there are so many bands that some people are just willing to stand out there on the street and busk and get like three dollars a day because, like, th- there's just th- there's not enough there's not enough room in the cafes and the bars and the clubs for all these musicians. There's a complete saturated market. So I mean, when you think, oh, a band that sells out, say, uh, you know, a theater like uh, of the size that we were in for this acrobatic show. You'd say they're a pretty popular band, right? You have to do something pretty well. Um, so this acrobatic show just cornered the market. They they got in there, they just do acrobatics, right? So uh, I don't know why I'm lecturing you in economic theories there. Like like I've I've never read the textbook. Um, look, the so the snowboarding, right? Um, it's a job. So we don't need to overcompensate with the compliments when these Australians underperform. We don't need to pat them on the back and say, "Oh, really good job." I think we have the right to be pretty critical of these guys. Because um, I was watching last night, there was this uh, uh, snowboarder who just wasn't very good. And they were just getting flogged. Right? Like, these Japanese people were just doing like triple backflip, 720 corkscrews, and the Australian was going, just, wee, <laughs> whoa. Um, and well, they, they're, they're, at last I saw, they were in 13th. Um, so... And and the commentators, uh, these guys, looking. Oh wow, it's a great score. She she should be really proud of herself. Great score. She's in thirteenth, like uh, probably not within a shot of a medal or even 
the, the finals. But um, great run. Great run. And I'm sitting there eating my pesto pasta going, <clears throat> no, it was a bollocks run. Um, so uh, this is how I feel about things, uh, the snowboarding. And I, as you, like most people, the Winter Olympics do get me quite worked up.